verses 12 to 22. Uh, and I'll just read these before. I don't know if you... Okay. Uh, so Exodus 33, starting at chapter 12. Uh, and this one is titled, Moses and the Glory of God. Moses said to the Lord, You have been telling me, lead these people, but you have not let me know whom you will send with me. You have said, I know you by name and you have found favor with me. If you are pleased with me, teach me your ways that I may know and continue to find favor with you. Remember that this nation is your people. The Lord replied, My presence will go with you and I will give you rest. Then Moses said to him, If your presence does not go with us, do not send us up from here. How will anyone know that you are pleased with me and with your people unless you go with us? What else will distinguish me and your people from all the other people on the face of the earth? And the Lord said to Moses, I will do the very thing you have asked because I am pleased with you and I know you by name. Then Moses said, Now show me your glory. And the Lord said, I will cause all my goodness to pass in front of you and I will proclaim my name, the Lord, in your presence. I will have mercy on whom I have mercy and I will have compassion on whom I have compassion. But, he said, you cannot see my face for no one may see me and live. Then the Lord said, there is a place near me where you may stand on a rock. When my glory passes by, I will put you in a cleft in the rock and cover you with my hand until I have passed by. Then I will remove my hand and you will see my back, but my face must not be seen. And we pray God's blessing onto his word. I love a true story. Do you? If I'm watching a film, you can choose now what you want to watch, can't you? Um, I always choose a true story because I like the true story. I think they're always the best. And the same with books. I love reading about lives, people's lives, especially Christians. Um, how they started out and how they ended up and everything that happened to them along the way. Now, <clears throat> you don't get a better life story than Moses, do you? Just amazing. He was a hidden baby for three months. That must have been difficult, wasn't it? Must have been well fed. Every time he cried, he got fed. <laughs> and he was put in a little ark and guided by the hand of God into Pharaoh's palace. And his mother was paid to nurse him. Isn't that amazing? <laughs> long short, long story short. God heard the cries of his people and he spoke to Moses out of fire and he gave him an awesome task to go back. Moses said, pardon your servant, Lord. I have never been eloquent, neither in the past nor since you have spoken to your servant. I am slow of speech and tongue. Maybe you had a stutter. It's not portrayed in films, is it? When you picture Moses in your mind's eye, do you see Charlton Heston with a long beard that gets whiter and whiter and whiter as the film goes on? I remember when my first grandson was born, 
Um, my dad said, Noah? That's an old man with a beard. Couldn't equate Noah with any, anything else. So perhaps Moses did have a stutter, and I was thinking about what causes that. It can be a head trauma, but usually from childhood. And I was trying, thinking about Moses' childhood, because he would never have fit in at the palace, especially when he was a young teenager. He must have probably been uh, an outcast, or perhaps he was bullied, because he would never have been accepted by the other his peers in the palace. Because he wasn't, he wasn't ever one of them. And his own people wouldn't have accepted him, I don't suppose, because he was being brought up in the palace and, and the pharaoh was keeping them all as slaves. So he, he wouldn't have been accepted by his own people. So he was a bit of an outcast, I think. So, long story short, Moses leads his people out of Egypt. And then, after a couple of months, God takes Moses up Mount Sinai. I was watching the chase the other day. Do you watch the chase? Come on, admit it. You all do, don't you? And um, as you know, you won't. But most people will. (laughs) Um, There was four left in the final chase. So they were all really good at answering the questions. Good quizzes, intelligent people. And one of the questions was, what did God give to Moses on top of Mount Sinai? None of them knew. None of them knew. Anyway, he received the Ten Commandments in stone and also all the instructions for the tabernacle, specific materials, the colours, the measurements, the furniture, Priestly robes, instructions about the offerings, the sacrifices. It was gone a long time. Forty days, forty nights, that's nearly six weeks. That's like the school summer holidays. It's a long time. And when your leader's gone for a long time, that figure of authority is taken from you. Standards drop. I have a story about that. I was... um, became a Christian in the mid-70s, and it was a strict Pentecostal church, uh, probably religious, quite religious, and women were expected to wear hats. If you didn't wear a hat, you were considered brazen, that was the word, brazen. And if you forgot your hat, there was plenty of hats to spare in the ladies' cloakroom, and you had hats for midweek services, which were knitted with a little brim. We all looked like flower pot men, didn't we? And then on Sunday, you had a, a better hat, you know, a straw or felt hat. And then conventions and Easter time, hats. No makeup, no jewellery. And women were expected to wear skirts or dresses, never trousers. Never trousers. But in those days, nurses didn't wear trousers, teachers didn't, police women didn't. You know, it wasn't acceptable for women to wear trousers. Gosh, I'm old, aren't I? Going back such a long time. Anyway, the pastor left. And standards dropped. And then when we got the new pastor, he wasn't bothered. 
whether you wore a hat or not. So you just stopped wearing hats. Apart from the older ladies, most of us stopped wearing hats. And then I went to stay with the pastor and his wife and family down in Kent for the weekend. And he asked me if I would give my testimony in the church. So I said, yes, of course. So as we were leaving the house on the Sunday morning, pastor's wife said to me, have you got your hat? I went, hat? Oh, no, no. So she said, never mind. She said, you can have one of mine. So she gave me this hat. Well, her head was a lot bigger than mine. So the hat came to here. And when we got to the church, it was an old traditional church with a huge pulpit that you had to climb steps to get into. And the pulpit came to here. So <laughs> Gary was there. I think he thought it was very funny that a nose gave a testimony. But the standards dropped. Oh, a year later, was at a Christian camp and the pastor's wife was there. No hat, wearing trousers and dancing. The sun has set her free. <laughs> so they made a golden calf, Aaron. They bullied Aaron into making a golden calf. Knowing full well that God had said to them, no idols. Moses, you know the story, Moses pleaded with God and repented on behalf of the people. He went into his tent and he spent hours pleading with God. And the people mourned and waited outside the tents for Moses to come out. And God said to Moses, go up to the land that I have promised to Abraham. I'm still keeping my promise. You go to that land that's flowing with milk and honey. But I'm not going with you. Because you are stiff-necked people. Stiff-necked means stubborn, rebellious and proud. And it might destroy you on the way. wonder if that's where that expression comes from. I'll, I'll tell you, but I might, I'll have to kill you. Because <laughs> that's what you say, God's saying, isn't it? I can't go with you. I might have to kill you. But Moses said to the Lord, you have been telling me lead these people. You have said, I know you by name and you have found favour with me. If you are pleased with me, teach me your ways so I may know you and continue to find favour with you. And the Lord answered his prayer. My presence will go with you and I will give you rest. You know, if you pray that kind of prayer, God will answer it. And the Lord said to Moses, I will do the very thing you have asked because I am pleased with you and I know you by name. That means I know you completely. You know, God knew your name before your parents chose it. He knew you before you were conceived. Completely. There are 62 Bible verses that say, I have called you by name. No 
God knows us completely, and yet he loves us completely. And Moses understood this, and he was confident in God. And so he could say, now, Lord, show me your glory. How brave. How brave was Moses. But that's how confident he was that God loved him and that God was pleased with him. And the Lord said, I will cause all my goodness to pass in front of you. So Moses asked God to show him his glory. And God said, I will cause my goodness to pass by you. So what, what is God's glory? It's his goodness. So when you seek God's glory, that's what you will find, God's goodness. And I will proclaim my name, the Lord, in your presence. I will have mercy on you. But he said, you cannot see my face, for no one may see me and live. Then the Lord said, there is a place near me, I love this. Can you picture this in your mind? There is a place near me where you may stand on a rock. I'm reminded of Mike Hook saying, when you hit rock bottom, name that rock. When my glory passes by, I will put you in a cleft in the rock. And cover you with my hand until I have passed by. Then I will remove my hand and you will see my back, but my face must not be seen. In Isaiah we read, Fear not, for I have redeemed you. I have summoned you by name. You are mine. I will put you in a cleft in the rock and cover you with my hand. Psalm 27. In his shelter in the day of trouble, that's where you'll find me. For he hides me there in his holiness. He has smuggled me into his secret place where I am kept safe and secure, out of reach from all my enemies. And the Song of Moses, I didn't know this, but it's widely believed that Moses wrote Psalm 91. He who dwells in the secret place of the Most High will rest in the shadow of the Almighty. I will say of the Lord, he is my refuge, my fortress, my hiding place. Moses knew this for sure, didn't he? And apparently Moses sang this. Moses sang a lot. And the great old hymns, Rock of ages, cleft for me. Let me hide myself in thee. And what about this one? He hideth my soul in the cleft of the rock that shadows a dry, thirsty land. He hideth my life in the depths of his love and covers me there with his hand. What words? This was written by Fanny Crosby. This is another true life story. There she is. 
Fanny Crosby wrote over 10,000 poems and songs and hymns in a lifetime. To God be the glory, we all know that. Blessed assurance, Jesus is mine. She wrote that in five minutes, sat in a rocking chair. When she was born in 1820, in America, when she was six weeks old, she had an eye infection. And the doctor, who was not qualified and left town straight away afterwards, put a mustard poultice on her eyes and it blinded her. Her father died and she was brought up by a mother and a grandmother. Her grandmother read the Bible to her from an early age and she could recite much of the New Testament and Psalms by heart. At age 15, she went to New York Institute for the Blind and she was recognised there as a gifted student and encouraged to write her poetry. She became a teacher there. She was the first woman to ever address the Senate on behalf of disabled people. And apparently she recited her poems and it was followed by complete silence and then a thunderous applause. She became a nurse during the cholera outbreak in 1849. And at age 30, she had a dramatic dream, which caused her to reconsider her spiritual state. Despite her godly upbringing, she then gave her life to God. At age 44, she married Alexander van Elstein, who was also blind. And they had one child, a baby girl who died a few months old. And in her grief, she wrote the famous old hymn, Safe in the Arms of Jesus. She and her husband sang and played piano in public. They worked tirelessly to help the destitute, immigrants. They campaigned against child labour. Any royalties from her song she donated... She was never bitter against the doctor who blinded her. She never blamed God. She was full of compassion and caring, and she died aged 94. (laughs) What a difference Jesus makes to a life. She said, rivers of pleasure I see. I see. She never saw a flower or a bird, but she could see spiritual rivers of pleasure. Just look at all, just for a minute, just look at all the sacrifices and the offerings that God commanded. An offering was something that you own and you're able to give. A sacrifice is something that you give of yourself that costs you. And there were so many guilt or trespass offerings for sin, animal slaughter, blood sprinkle, the burnt offerings, the food offerings, the grain offerings, the drink offerings, the fellowship, the peace, the wave. It goes on and on. And it, to be honest, it can't, confuses me. I can't get my head around it all. To me, in our culture, a blood sacrifice is something pagans do. Well, it's primitive isn't it? Something the witches do on Pendle Hill. You know, 
to my culture. But it was an established way of life for Cain and Abel. Established way of life right from the very beginning. It was vitally important. They even took extra animals in the ark for sacrifice. Now I don't understand all this, as I've said, it makes my head hurt. But this I know. It was all covered on the cross. All of it was covered on the cross. I have um, a passion translation bought from the Christmas. Great. Near the footnote it says, Jesus Christ, the word, came with skin on as the perfect man. The one who is the divine expression and fullness of God's glory. He went around doing good. He was full of goodness. He was full of glory. And the Lord said, I will cause all my goodness to pass in front of you. There is an account of Moses seeing God's glory. Because on another mountain, Peter, James and John weren't the only ones to see Jesus glorified in a blinding light, multiple flashes of lightning. And there was Moses and Elijah. They spoke with Jesus about his soon departure. That departure, I'm going to sound like a Bible scholar now. Departure, the Greek word for departure is exodus. That's a mass departure of people. So Moses brought out of Egypt a multitude out of bondage into freedom. Jesus brings us out of the world into the kingdom and we share in his resurrection a mass exodus. Hallelujah. So, we have God's glory. We've been singing about it this morning, haven't we? We have God's glory. We don't have to climb up a mountain or hide in a cleft of a rock. We have God's glory. We have God's protection. We are covered. And God was pleased with Moses and he knew him by name. God is pleased with you, Ruth. God is pleased with you and he knows you by name. God is pleased with you and he knows you by name. God is pleased with you and he knows you by name. So we have to pursue him. We have to desire more. Moses wasn't content with what had gone before. And he'd had some experiences, hadn't he? You know, every day you part the sea with a stick, is it? But he wasn't content. He wanted more. The closer he got to God, the more he wanted. So we have to press in. We have to be brave. It's brave to say to the Lord, show me your glory. Our God is a great big God. But Moses wasn't the stuttering, mixed-up kid that didn't belong anywhere. There he is on the Mount of Transfiguration, glorified himself. 
We have the glory. Christ in us. Let's pray together. Lord, we thank you.